Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite contributors, Nate Zelensky. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I am beat up by the wind. I, I know that we can use the wind as a tool to help us locate the fish. I know we can use the wind to help with our presentations. But I don't care. I can catch less fish and have calm water and have a very pleasant day on the lake. So, I hate to say it, but this is very much becoming the norm. I would say that... Uh, of the past, you know, at least of the open water season, you know, since April 1st on the Chapel Cherry Creek type fisheries, um, if you're building a pattern, you're better off to build it in the wind because that is the, the common ground. Um, I've had a lot more rough days than, uh, than calm days as far as water conditions are, are concerned. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's the common thread, that's for sure. Well, what I'm doing to overcome it is I'm having a glass of wine on my patio. The wine doesn't create too many waves. Oh, I'll tell you, Terry. Uh, I, I, you know, we're sitting here at catch rate, and we'll talk about that in a second. But we, we had a team meeting, and we're talking to a lot of anglers, and it's crazy because obviously the lit wind is going to very much limit the anglers on the water. You have to have, you know, a boat to provide safe measures in those situations. So that's one thing that we're kind of dealing with. Um, but I'll tell you, for the anglers that are comfortable getting out, if you have the equipment to get out, fishing is second to none. Uh, all of us agree that we have not had a spring like this in a long time as far as the success on numbers of fish, on big fish, on just especially in the walleye, just on those keeper-sized fish, you know, those those really good eating 18 to 20-inch fish. Um, it's unbelievable. But with that, obviously, the, the general conditions as far as a nice, pleasant day, you know, you're not out there sipping coffee, relaxing. It's a lot of boat control. There's a lot going on. Um, so that's kind of one aspect of it. And then, obviously, these fish can be somewhat you know, finicky as far as putting a bait right in the zone and, and really dialing it in. And it's hard to dial it in perfectly when, you know, it's blowing 30 miles an hour and your boat control, it's hard enough to put a bait in the strike zone in calm conditions. You throw this stuff on it and it really makes it tough. So a lot of obstacles, but for those getting out, if you fine tune it, uh, the bite is absolutely incredible. And, and I'd love to kind of talk about that here uh, throughout the course of the show. Yeah, we will in just a minute. All kidding aside, when I used to cover the PWT for in fishermen, I wrote a lot of the articles on the tournaments, a lot of the pros, points, and tips. And I will tell you that I've been on big water like uh, the Missouri River lakes or the Great Lakes where we were using trolling tactics. And we were in probably weather that the average angler wouldn't venture out in. But we tournaments went on ahead, and the guys had good boats and understood and we caught a lot of fish, and we did use the wind to our advantage, sometimes to change the presentation, sometimes to slow it down, sometimes to use the surge of the waves to actually add action to the baits. So there are things you can do, all kidding aside. Why don't you talk about catch rate first, and we'll get back into what's going on. Absolutely, Terry. So we are so excited about it. You know, just a, a continuation of the series has been going on for many years now, uh, and it's exciting. We love this series. So it's called Catch Rate. Uh, it's a multi-species event. So uh, we have options to fish in a category of walleye, trout, or bass. And then starting in June, we add in carp. 
Um, so basically, you know, you can think of it as a local bowling league or, or a softball league. You know, it, I don't want to say it's not competitive because we have some anglers that are very competitive and very serious here. But we have anglers literally fishing from the shore today. We have anglers on kayaks. Uh, and then you have anglers on boats. So how it basically works is $20 per angler per species. So when you uh, sign in, you're choosing to fish, you know, walleye, bass, trout, or a combination of them. Uh, and it's $20 per species per fish, uh, and we pay out cash at the end of the event. And, and how it works is it's a, a digital series as far as recording fish. When you go out there, you catch a fish, we give you a bump board uh, or a measure board. So you're using your cell phone, and you're recording yourself measuring the fish. Uh, we give you a code word on the day of the event so you say the code word in the video keeps everybody on kind of that honest fair field um and the top basically longest five fish per species are awarded cash at the end of the event uh, on top of that your first place winner also goes home with a 50 dollars prize pack from eagle claw and a hundred dollar bass pro cabela's gift card um so honestly terry even though the 20 dollars entry people are like oh it's a real small tournament some of our cash payouts get fairly large at this at the end of the day. Um, so it's exciting in those regards. And the nicest thing, it's open to everybody. So if you have, you know, two or three buddies, you guys can all fish together on your boat. You're going to be competing against each other, but we don't limit you to a two-person tournament or a two-person team. Um, you know, so you just get on the water. It's about fishing. It's about building a relationship with other anglers. And honestly, Terry, it is a good time. Um, you know, we had coffee and donuts to start the day. We're going to have pizza and drinks at the end of the event. Um, so it's just a lot of fun, a good camaraderie, and, and some great fishing. The only advice I would give people is not to partner with you because you'll front end them. I know you will. Absolutely, I would. And that, that's how I'm going <laughs> to win this type of event. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I know this from personal experience. But <laughs> oh. And, you know, so right. far today, Terry, uh, the, the bite has been good. It's kind of neat because we are, you know, let's just start off with walleye. In the walleye world, we are, we have fish that just got done spawning, you know, within the last week that are very early in the stages of post-spawn. We have other fish that have been spawned out for a month. So right now today, as far as our anglers catching fish, we have anglers trolling crankbaits in a suspended manner for really those, those post-spawn fish. We have other anglers on structure using live bait, you know, lindy rigs and all those type measures. Um, and they're catching those fish that have been spawned out for quite a while. So a lot of techniques happening here today. So that's pretty cool. Trout. We see trout trout coming across the board. Guys fishing for them very low in the water, calling on jigs uh, and bait. We have anglers fishing them up high with spoons and those tactics. So the trout have been all over the place. Uh, and then the bass, we are now seeing some very quality bass um, just coming in. So they're basically just starting to absorb that warmer water, getting ready for their spawn in the smallmouth regards. Um, so some really quality bass coming in. So, so far the fishing today has been outstanding and I really kind of assume it's going to continue throughout the course of the day. That wind's just starting to kind of come in, so we'll see how that affects the anglers, um, you know, and their, their personal, you know, boat skills and that type thing. But right now, fishing is good, and uh, it'll be exciting to see what unfolds here at 2 o'clock today when, uh, when it's all over. And I think, I don't know if we mentioned or not, but you are on Chatfield, right? Absolutely. We're on Chatfield Reservoir, so we have our event today, uh, which is 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then we go to our Wednesday night event, and that's going to start on May 25th. So we have almost a month break, um, and then you jump into that. So you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our website, but it's called Catch Rate, and we encourage all anglers. This is a great place to, to become a better angler, to learn about it. If you're just thinking about dabbling in tournaments, this is a great start. So whether you're looking for education uh, or the competitive side of things, this is a great place to start. Go to our website. 
website, Facebook, again, you know, anything Titan Outdoors, look up catch rate, and you can see the schedule. Again, it starts on uh, the Wednesday night, start on May 25th, and it's about every two weeks or so uh, through the course of the year, and it wraps up on April 31st. Um, so some some great dates, great venues, and again, just encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, it, it's a good time, and it's a great place to come fishing. All right, let's move on to some other things. Now, what else is going on? We're going to we're going to be a little cooler this weekend and windy. It looks like we're going to get back to more seasonal temperatures next week in the high 60s, low 70s, and still going to have some wind, but maybe not quite the intense wind we've had. So what do you see happening and where should people be looking? Uh, I'll tell you, I don't believe it. I think it's going to be windy. But uh, either way, I think we're going to overcome it. We're going to catch some fish. So I have some updates on the mountain reservoirs. I want to talk about that. But first thing I want to talk about is just the current bite, especially in the walleye regard. So people have been following our Facebook page. We've been posting pictures and, you know, videos of us trolling and getting, you know, doubles and triples and quadruple hookups and posting a lot of success. We've had a lot of anglers come to us and just say, hey, I'm struggling. You know, what's the deal? We followed you at the lake and we're out in the same area doing the same thing what's the deal um and same thing we kind of had that team meeting we're talking about the current bite and i will say that the bite is better than i have seen it in a long time with that said i can say that these fish are also probably a little more picky than i have seen in a long time um you know terry i think you and i agree on this that you know zone so the the height at which you're fishing the level at which your bait is at is typically the priority when I am picking my measures of a technique. Uh, and then typically my speed or the action of the bait is, is second. And long story short, usually color, color is like one of the last things that I'm putting into play. You know, usually it's everything else. And this year, everything comes into play. You know, even though the fishing is better than I've ever seen it, you do have to be in the zone. You do have to have the right action bait. Um, and more than anything, I can say that color has been a huge part of this year's uh, success, which for me personally is very rare. I rarely see it to where color makes a big, big difference. Um, and this year, like I was at Cherry Creek yesterday, you know, had a 30 fish day. I think we had 16 legals. Um, and, and within that, I saw a lot of anglers that were struggling. The bite was really good a week ago for almost everybody. And then it seemed like this week it kind of honed down a little bit. And with that, it was very specific. I mean, I started off with four color baits. I changed baits a lot. And I found one color combo, uh, which was kind of like a gray and white with a little dot of pink on it. Um, and that was the success. And we absolutely just tore them up. But it has been very specific. So the word to the wise and the advice for the anglers out there, if you're walleye fishing, the fine-tuning in the specifics had made a difference. So put yourself uh, in the concepts of your bait. If you think that the fish have seen that bait, if you went by, you know, four, five, six fish, um, so if you know that a fish has seen that bait and you have not caught that fish, it is time to change up. Change colors, change baits. But more than anything, I am encouraging anglers to change things up until you find that success. Yesterday at Cherry Creek, there was six, seven boats out there, and I saw guys change a little bit, but in those situations, you almost need to change baits every five, you know, eight minutes because there's so many fish stacked in that basin that go through things. So if you're out there, if you're listening to this, if you're one of those anglers struggling, play with things, change things up until you find that winning combination because, again, right now, fishing is hot it's just very specific so fine-tune it uh and you're going to find yourself having some great success out there right now no i couldn't agree and you know you really hit it on the head when you said well if you went back to my tournament days and and writing for in fishermen we would rank 
the things that would matter. And depth was always number one, speed was number two, and then action came after that, and then maybe color. But there's some days when one or none of those really make a difference, and sometimes you just need to really nail it. And it just it's just amazing how it changes. I couldn't agree more. So what's happening up in the mountains? All right, so we have exciting news, at least from Spinney and 11 Mile. Uh, 11 Mile has officially set their opening date to boating at April 30th. Uh, so April 30th, next weekend, 11 Mile will be open to boating for the season. And then on May 7th, Spinney will be opening for boating. Spinney's actually open water right now, but they all this wind, obviously it's windy in Denver. You can't imagine what it's like up at South Park. Um, they've had so much silt. Uh, and basically mud pile up on the boat dock. They have to get some larger heavy equipment to move that off. They have uh, basically a backhoe that they use for the docks. They cannot reach with their bucket far enough in to remove a lot of the debris. They got pushed up on the dock. Uh, so Spinney's opening day is May 7th. So mark the calendars. Uh, again, April 30th for 11-mile opening to boating, May 7th. Spinning Mountain Reservoir opening for boating. Uh, and then I think very soon we'll see the opener to Antero Reservoir. So South Park is opening up. Uh, stay tuned for some absolutely incredible trout fishing, pike fishing. Uh, next weekend we'll bring you updates on, on what those fisheries are doing, how they're looking, and what the exact bite is in those areas. Yeah, how is the water level at Spinny? It's coming up fast. Honestly, Terry, we were shocked at how fast it came up. When I had a, a meeting with the park um, literally a week ago, we were very concerned at when it was going to open the boating. If it would be opening you know, early in, in May or if it was going to be like last year and be towards the tail end of May. Uh, and luckily, uh, they, there's not been a major call for water, so we're able to store a lot of the water that's coming in with the recent snows, uh, and it's coming up fast. So the water level is good and gaining quickly. So we're very excited about that. All right, last thing, if you were going fishing tomorrow, it's going to be cool and windy. Uh, you know, we might have saw a little bit of a blurb with this weather change. We should see it picking up and getting even better. Where would you go? I'll tell you, Terry, there's three bites. We'll hit them all real quick. Number one, on the boat for walleye. If you're at Chatfield daytime, you are trolling crankbaits suspended. If you're at Cherry Creek, you are pulling small baits very low in the water column. Both of those are going to be money to catch a lot of fish. You cannot also overlook the big spawning rainbows on all the shoreline opportunities in the mountains. Fly fishing on the shores of 11 Mile, uh, fly fishing on the shoreline at Antero, producing a lot of fish and some flat-out giant fish. So those are your bites. Walleye fishing on the front range, you know, a couple options there, and fly fishing on the banks of the mountains are, are absolutely all producing a ton of fish and a ton of big fish right now. All right, my friend, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Absolutely. Get a hold of us. You know, go to tightlineoutdoors.com or on Facebook, Tightline Outdoors. I know I have one opening this week uh, for a hot bite. So, yeah, get a hold of us, get your trips booked, and we'll get you on the water. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right. Nate Zielinski, Tightline Outdoors. Always a great resource. We are going to uh, take a quick time out. Then we're going to go to uh, Jack's Outdoor Gear and talk about, if you're a new angler, how you might upgrade your fishing gear for even more success. All that and more on Terry Wixom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wixom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Speaking of Jack's, let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Jack store in Lafayette is Mike Krieger. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Terry. Um, uh, even though it's been windier than all get out, 
I have a feeling you probably have been out and plied the rivers a little bit doing some fly fishing. So I want to go into some gear things. But first off, what have you seen when you've been out there? Any tips you can give people? Well, I mean, the wind is, I mean, it's one of those things about Colorado, especially if you, you know, like to fish South Park like Nate was talking about. Just keep those casts down low. Um, you know, don't cast over your head because you're just inviting the wind to slow down whatever you're throwing. And if you're fly fishing, your your stuff may not end up in front of you. But uh, that would be my biggest tip. Have you been out on any of the local metro rivers or anything? I haven't done rivers in a little bit. I've, I just was enjoying ice fishing so much, and then all of a sudden it was done. So I got my my sled hung up in the garage, and now I've got my uh, fly stuff and spinning stuff out. I was out on Evergreen Lake on Thursday, and was throwing around some flies, and uh, yeah, I had a had a fun time. Caught a couple of rainbows and a brown in the couple and of I, hours that I, I had. I know a couple. I know you also fish Bear Creek, which is something where people don't have to drive very far. Have you seen much oh, exactly. going there? Is it is it running off real bad, or is it still fishable? It's actually right now really fishable. I mean, it's it's sort of my little secret is uh, <clears throat> when the flows are crazy on the bigger rivers, I'll back up to the Bear Creek because it, it never gets, you know, any over the highest CFS I've seen. There's 100, which is totally I mean, within my wheelhouse. So that's where I go when the flows are dangerous everywhere else because it's, you know, you can you can wade up a Bear Creek from Lair of the Bear, clear up to however you, how far you want to go. But, yeah, there's all kinds of nice holes and deep pockets. and It's uh, running. I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't get a chance to look and see what the flow was right now, but it's it's moving nicely. I mean, it was completely fishable. I scouted a couple places on my way up to Evergreen. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was like just almost stopped before I got there because there's so many beautiful spots. Well, and that's just it. There's, we're getting, we're going to have more and more good fishing opportunities as we progress into spring, both down here on the front range and up in the mountains. Now we saw a lot of people take up fishing in the last couple of years or go back to it because of COVID. And a lot of them started out with inexpensive combos in the, in the uh, conventional and the, and some of the packages that were put together on fly fishing. And I want to talk to you a little bit about, do I stay with those or is it time if I'm getting more serious, going to spend more time to look at upgrading? And let's start with the fly fishing. Uh, you know, the fly fishing, probably a lot, a lot of the good starter kits right now are actually equipment that you could do, that you could use well for many years. Correct. Yeah, we have a lot of the, I mean, that's when, when people come in and they want to start fly fishing, I start them with the combo. Like the Orvis Clearwater, the uh, the Encounter. There's uh, Reddington has their path and their clear. Let's see, Clearwater. There's some great combos to start with, and those are the better price point because you get a case. You get they usually have some you know decent line on there, not fabulous by any means, but decent. You know to get them started, and then you know they'll they'll come back a, a year later and say, okay, um, what can I do to make this even better? And I'll say, well, you can upgrade the rod, you can upgrade upgrade the line. Because um, the line that comes on those is, is some of the lower end stuff. And it's a little bit more challenging to cast. Well, and, you know, and upgrading the line on a fly rod especially is a great uh, a great tip. Um, a lot of people who start with like those Reddington beginner kits, they start feeling a rhythm when they cast and all of a sudden they want to get a, a $700 fly rod. And they don't understand that the <clears throat> casting stroke on those super fast expensive fly rods all of a sudden, it, you might find yourself not thinking you're as good as you are. 
<laughs> well, that's very true. Uh, yeah, I, I have some some sort of intermediate rods, and I have one one nice one. But uh, yeah, it's it's, and I tell people when I'm selling line, it's like you can spend twenty five dollars on some of our jacks line, and it's it's good stuff. But it's uh, you're going to work a little bit harder casting it versus like a scientific angler or a Rio one hundred thirty dollar line, and you just it almost casts itself. It just purrs through the guides. It, you know, it's just, there's a great coating on it, so I don't have to put, I don't have to coat it with, you know, when I'm done fishing with it to keep it buoyant. But, uh, yeah, and there's all the grades in between. So I think maybe the one area where a lot of people skimp and they probably could upgrade in fly fishing might be the waders, though. How do you, how do you feel about that? Oh, I totally agree. Because uh, a lot of times, um, you know, people are bushwhacked with their you know, lower end waders and they're just not designed to, you know, get branches poking at them. So they'll come in and say, hey, these got all torn up. What can I do? And it's like, well, you can keep buying the low end ones. They're disposable. But again, jacks, we're all about recycling, but we don't want to have to fill up landfills with people's, you know, low end waders. So it's, I tell people if you can upgrade to a nicer pair that's a little bit more rugged. Um, you know, and there's the, the kind I wear sonically fused, which I barely understand how that happens. But anyway, I've never had any trouble with leaks and I've been fishing those pretty hard for the last five years. Um, so again, you, like my dad always taught me, you get what you pay for. You know, if you get the low end stuff, it's great for beginners, but once they decide, Hey, I really like this, then, you know, put a little bit more money in there. You get more features. Like I fly fish through the winter. So I, that felt on the inside pockets of those waders, oh, that's worth, that's worth 50 bucks right there when your hands are cold and, you know, any, any little thing makes them hurt, you know, so you put them in that felt, it's, oh, it's wonderful. But, uh, you know, the lower end ones just have, if they have a pocket at all, it's not lined, so you just rub your hands on that nylon and like, oh, not so, not so cool. Now, for the conventional anglers, I feel a little different. The fact that, I'll encourage them to get a $20 combo if they're just going out to try fishing. Because a lot of times, even though they're, they're, they have bushings instead of bearings, they're, they're, you talked about the waders, they become disposable. If you fish a lot, you may get a season or two out of them. If you fish rarely, they might last you a few years, but they wear out and they, they don't perform quite as well, both rods and reels. Yet they're pretty, they're pretty serviceable for a starter. But once you know I'm going to do some more fishing, I'm going to make some different presentations, I'm going to do a lot of casting, it's really time in the conventional side to upgrade. And you don't have to spend four or $500 to do that, right? Oh, not at all. Yeah, our high end, uh, I think our highest end, we have a couple. We have a Lose, and then we have a uh, the Pluger President, Rod and Real. Those are, I think, the top end of our combos is like 130 and you're getting, you know, a 10 bearing reel, which is fabulous. I mean, that's, I consider that a legacy reel, one that you can hand down to your kids, your grandkids. And then the, uh, again, the rod is much more sensitive, so you can feel the strikes just a little bit better. So you, you don't miss as many fish. But again, nice price point. And then, then all the jack stores, we have bulk line. We can line you up for two cents a yard. Or if you like the, uh, the, uh, fiber, uh, not fiber, the, uh, oh, darn, so yeah, the uh, the less visible line, that's more like a nickel a yard. So for two to five bucks, I mean, you can line those things up. So you're ready to fish well under $200. Hey, All right, yeah. Hey, real quick, before we go on with the rods, somebody just asked about Maxon fly rods. Oh, not heard of them. 
I haven't either. So they, they wanted to know what we thought of the quality of them. And it could be very good. It's just a brand I'm not familiar with. That came on in the yeah. text line. So I always like to back you into a corner when we haven't talked about something and put you on the spot. Well, there, you know. there you go. We'll I'll have to do some research. We'll have to research. Next time we're on. But. <laughs> yeah. If I want to go back to the, the individual, too. You know, maybe you don't want a combo. Maybe you want something specifically. You want to match a rod and a reel for a certain type of fishing. And I really, I'm a big believer. You talked about reels, the Fluger. Um, I have a lot of Fluger reels, all the way from their high end. But even the President Fluger reel, which goes like 50, 60 bucks, is just an incredible reel for the price. It is. And they have one below that that's called the Tryon. It's probably my favorite. It's about a $40, $45 reel. You get seven bearings. Um, Just super smooth. I mean, for the price point. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. And it's, those are the type of reels that even if you're going to start doing some tournament fishing, you can feel very confident out there. They're going to hold up. They have good drag systems. But you have to match them with a the rod. Do you have some suggestions you might match for a rod with a reel like that that you have in stock? Right. Depending on what kind of fish you're going after. I mean, we have the, you know, some really nice Fenmix, the HMGs, the high modulus graphite. We've got the, co- the collection of St. Croix, which are, again, made in the USA, which is always a bonus for me. Um, we have some of the TFOs, the Temple Fork out of Dallas. Um, and again, there's, you know, super thick ones for, you know, sometimes people come in and say, I want a catfish rod and they're holding on to an ultralight. It's like, okay, you're going to have a fun time getting that catfish. You know, it's going to be a long battle. So I, I usually say, you know, get much more of a heavy, um, you know, heavyweight rod to fight a catfish or, you know, carp if you're, you know, carp fishing, which is a blast. But, uh, you know, yeah, just finding one with the right weight. Oh, yeah. A great rod for catfish and carp, and we're going to run out of time here real quick, but the ugly stick. Oh, yeah. Uglies are great because they're, I mean, their price point, I think we sell them for $40, and they've been, I mean, they've had a fiberglass rod since 1970. I mean, they're distinctive. They have that clear tip. Um, They can go, according to the commercial, they go tip to butt, you know, without breaking. Um, I, I tried that on a rod. I thought it was an ugly stick. It was not. And it shattered into five pieces. So I was told the customer, I'm very embarrassed. I thought it was an ugly stick. But, uh, yeah, super flexible. I mean, fantastic rod. And every fish seems like Moby Dick when you get it, you know, setting up on a fiberglass rod. It's just, they're, they're fun oh, to yeah. now, now, they do probably lack a little sensitivity. So if you want to go back to your Fenwick's, your St. Croix, if I want to get a mm-hmm. good reel, and we've got to wrap this up here in a second, but I want to get a good sure. reel and then, and then, place it with a rod for some specific fishing. What do I have to spend to get maybe a Fenwick? A Fenwick, you're looking anywhere from 89 to 129 probably. So with that, you know, pair that with, you know, maybe the upper end president, which is more like 90. And you're just, you know, hovering in on about $200. But, you know, put that uh, fluorocarbon is the word I couldn't think of before. Put some floral line on there. And, you know, there's another five, seven fifty or so. So you're, you know, under 225 easy with a really nice setup. All right. We have to run, but um, all these products are carried by all the Jack stores, all the Jack's outdoor gear stores. Correct. Uh And we're well supplied. I mean, our buyer, Tom's been doing great stuff. We've got stuff. Our back stock is packed. So, yeah, come in and, you know, we'll be able to take care of you easy. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Terry. Always a pleasure.
All right, that was Mike Krieger from the Jackson Lafayette. We're going to take a timeout. We're running behind, but we're going to give this next gentleman plenty of time because he always has a lot to contribute. Chad LaChance will join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And patiently waiting, I hope, is Chad LaChance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry, from snowy Grand County. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, is it snowing quite a bit up there? I saw some reports that we might see quite a bit of snow up in the mountains. Well, I'm uh, I'm up the hill about uh, 800 feet or so above Kremlin, and we got a couple of inches of snow here, snowed most of the night, and uh, blowing, blowing hard, rough conditions for sure right this minute. I was over in Granby this morning, uh, ugly over there, blowing, snowing. Um, you know, maybe four inches total, but it's, it's, you know, it's right at freezing point. So it's not sticking a whole bunch here and there just on, you know, on anything that'll get cold, like grass, stuff like that. The roads aren't bad. Uh, some icy roads this morning and lots and lots and lots of wildlife on the roadways. So people need to watch out if they're coming up here. Now, next week, we're going to get into more seasonal temperatures. In fact, down on the front range, instead of eighties, we're going to be in the high sixties and low seventies. I think the winds are supposed to back off a little bit, which probably means we'll start seeing the mountains do a more complete warm-up, and that'll lead to uh, a lot of runoff, I hope, because it seems like there's still pretty good snow. And But before that runoff, and there's still some great fishing opportunities up there. Oh, yeah, I've been bouncing around uh, between uh, Grand and Summit uh, and over at North Park for the last week, and widely varying conditions right this minute, actually. It depends, Terry. There's Now, I think after this snow we're getting right now, we're going to have a little bit of extra mud in the water, but uh, Colorado River, say, below Gore Canyon, I hiked up into, into Gore Canyon, uh, definitely fishable, very muddy, no question about it, but not excessively high. Um, you know, day one stuff when it comes to muddy water, right? I caught fish on a bubblegum colored heart bait, uh, was the best way to get them caught because the water conditions, water clarity so, you know, so, uh, so dark in the Colorado River. But if you're fly fishing, that's no problem. Get in the car and run over to the Blue River because the Blue River is running quite a bit clearer and um, also at a good flow level, not too high, not too low. I don't have a hard number, but just as a fisherman looking at it, it looks really good. Uh, so I think the Blue River would be a good call uh, for sure. I think also up in North Park, Michigan Creek was ugly when we were up there. That didn't look too good at all. So I think I'd avoid that. And then as far as the reservoirs go, uh, Granby's got some open water, but not a lot of it. It's water's flowing into the lake, and there were several folks fishing right there. I did not fish right there because the wind was blowing about 40. But uh, but any chance of getting on right there, there was guys fishing. I think that's a good possibility. Willow Creek has still got mostly ice capped, but, uh, but does also have some open water. Biologist friend of mine gave me a quick clue that where that open water is, got a bunch of fish feeding in it. Uh, again, the wind was just gas, and I was more running around checking conditions than anything else. When we got there it was snowing sideways but when this blows through uh there's still gonna be a lot of ice and i think fishing those little bits of open water will definitely be a good call now you and i both do a lot of both conventional and fly fishing and and they both have their place and uh sometimes one can be more effective than the other but typically fly fishing is a different way to fish and a different way to enjoy fishing and i want to go back to the rivers as they get more discolored we did quite a bit out earlier in the show on approaching the rivers fly fishing when they start getting this discolor. But you hit on something that 
the conventional angler and maybe even the fly angler once in a while should pick up a spinning rod because you can really do a lot of things in these tough conditions uh, with conventional that you might not accomplish with fly rods. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, I love to fly fish when it's the right tool for the job. But right now, to be honest with you, it's not the right tool. One thing I'd like to throw out there, it's sketchy wading when you can't see the bottom. And when you're talking about a river like the Colorado River, it's got some deep spots, some shallow spots. Wading when you can't see the bottom is a problem uh, or it could potentially be a problem. So the spinning rod allows me to stay on the bank, not even get my feet wet. And in a lot of cases, fish all the way across the river, even with small baits. I threw some smaller jigs just to see if it would be more effective and I could still cover all the way across the river with spinning tackle and not have to worry about getting a perfect drift because I can use the current to my advantage or whatever the case might be. Uh, what I found to be the best presentation the other day, which was no surprise at all, was to throw across and down with a small hard plug. In my case, it was a little Berkeley hit stick and a bubble gum and let it swim up against the bank you're on. Cause when the window, when the, um, when the river gets high and muddy like this, then a lot of the fish will pull up against the banks. And as that bait swings across the tails of the pools and up against the bank, it would get bit. Also look for foam. And uh, anytime you get foam, you know, we always say foam is home and you're starting to see a lot of that in the river right now. There's fish under that foam without question. And again, I'm throwing a jig or something through there. You can make a long, accurate throw and not worry about a drift with a spinning rod for that application. I like light braid. I was fishing with eight pound uh, X nine braid, making long throws and, uh, uh, just being real accurate, and uh, and you can snipe fish for sure, whether it's muddy like this or not. In fact, the spinning rod, I, I'd almost rather have a little bit of tint in the water if I'm going to have a spinning rod and versus if I'm going to fly fish. I want the water to be as clear as it can get. Now, you saw that the water is getting discolored. Is there a pretty good snowpack than what you're seeing? And, can, and what do you think we're looking at before they start to blow out these rivers? Well, that'll depend on temperature. Absolutely, there's a good good amount of snowpack. There's some big cornices all over. I don't have hard numbers. I didn't research it, but I've spent you know most of my life up around here. Uh, there's big cornices all over the place. There's snowbanks all over the place, uh, even down low in Kremlin. And uh, you know, I, I, it's definitely a bunch of snow. There's going to be some some significant runoff. The Poudre River looked surprisingly good the other day, uh, and there's some big cornices up at the top and snow up uh, up there as well. And so I'm pretty sure there's going to be a significant amount of runoff. But the key is is to fish first thing in the morning uh, before the, the warm temperatures come up, particularly when we have these cold evenings, and the river will be a little bit clearer that way and, uh, you know, and go from there. But I also think that when the thing that people that's misleading is the fish are feeding well. They just need to find your bait. When the water's running hard like this and it's going into spring, they're, these trout should be feeding. And uh, it's just a matter of they need to find what it is you're throwing. And here's a little hint I'll throw out there from the senior biologist for the Colorado River who told me when the trout in the Colorado River, particularly below Gore Canyon, get over 20 inches, they are 100% piscivores. He said one of the time they're 22, 23 inches, they are straight eating fish, not bugs. And that plays right into the hands of guys that are, can throw a big, you know, three, four, five-inch plug in the muddy water. One question I want to ask you while we still have time, and you may not have heard anything. I've heard some reports that the Laramie Plains lakes are going to be on fire for 20-inch-plus trout all spring once they're available. Have you heard anything on that? I know you fish those occasionally. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've heard the same thing. And, and, and to be honest with you, Terry, I always go there with that assumption because I don't think I've ever been there where I didn't find ridiculously fat trout. And anytime you get trout that are fat all the time, they're going to grow fast, like an inch, inch and a half a month. And when I last talked to the biologist that manages those lakes, he was talking about the fact that those fish get so fast, so big, so fast that they die young and was actually literally preaching that we harvest more of them uh once they're up in the four or five pound range because they're they're going to grow fast and die young they're literally overeating they're obese so that doesn't surprise me at all Uh, i suspect there's a bunch of ice up there right now i've not been up there yeah i would think so too but i've heard some predictions that 20 to 25 inch trout are going to be almost the norm up there so that's something for people to tuck away and Last like question. seven pounders. <laughs> yeah. The, the last, uh, what do you see in that horse tooth? Um, horse tooth, so oddly enough, the water levels are dropping. I'm not sure. I haven't had a chance to talk to the, the water people and figure out what the deal is with that. The water levels are dropping. Water temperatures uh, in the high 40s, mid to high 40s. Uh, water's very clear. Um, historically, as it drops, it gets muddier, so we'll see what happens because the wind stirs up those muddy banks. But it's dropped maybe a foot or a little more since its high point, maybe 18 inches probably since its high point this spring. Uh, water is not flowing out of Granby, so I assume it's not going into or no significant water. So I assume it's not going over there just yet. But the fishing conditions should be good. The smallmouth are coming around. We caught some suspended right before I left to come up here uh, real high in the water column. And uh, Kyle at uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife did a good job of lobbying for some more trout to be stocked in there. Uh, thank you, Kyle, because there's a bunch of those guys roaming around. They can be caught all over the lake just depending on where you are, and they are almost invariably in the top 10 feet of the water column. All right, my friend, we will let you go. If people want to book a trip or want more information, how do they find you? Uh, fishfulthinker.com and I want to throw out there that we told a lot of people we were booked out because we were but I hired somebody else by the name of Jeff Colwell I think you know him He uh, he's replaced uh, Ronnie Castiglione who basically retired from guiding to raise a kid and uh, and so we've got Jeff so we've got some dates fishfulthinker.com on all of the social media as well as our YouTube channel we're putting lots of love into that and tell folks to go check out our podcast please we have a new podcast uh, I think eight episodes up just getting going with that one all right, we will talk soon, and we need to fish. We haven't fished together for a while, so let's make that hey, happen. May. I like I like May on horse tooth, but <laughs> all right, well let's make it happen. All right, my friend, all we'll right. talk to you soon. Thanks, bye. Terry. That's bye, Chad Lachance. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll wrap things up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on one hundred four three The Fan. From our heated moments, there grew a tender. That's another song from Wickstrom and Dobreth. You know, if you like our music, I know you listen to this for the outdoor show, but if you like Wickstrom and Dobreth's music, go take a listen on streaming, any of your favorite services. Just search Wickstrom and Dobreth or go to our social media. We have Instagram. We have a Facebook page for Wickstrom and Dobreth, and we have a Twitter page for Wickstrom and Dobreth. Of course, you should follow us on if you, uh, if you follow us on uh, this radio show, you should follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, 104.3 The Fan. We feature a lot of information on that website. We post podcasts of the show. We bring up other types of information. We we. When we put a new video up, like a new video just went up uh, from Hotel Colorado, 
uh, about the fishing right around there that Karen just posted on the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. You'll find a link to that on our uh, our our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom, Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, if you were following today, we did a lot of fishing. Uh, 11 Mile will open for boating on the next Saturday. And then the Saturday after that, I believe it will be uh, Spinny Lake. So go check those out. They're going to be open for boating and shore. 11 Mile, you can fish from shore and Antero right now, and they're doing fantastic. There's still good fishing in the rivers. I will post a lot of the information we covered today on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because there was a lot of great opportunities. You may have to fight the wind at times, but, boy, are there some fish being caught. And when they open up later in the year, the Laramie Plains Lakes this year are going to be out of on fire for fish over 20 inches. We'll get more information on that and bring that up. So stay tuned for all of that. Now is Mr. Dan Jacobs in studio. Uh, I wouldn't miss it in the world for anything in the world, Terry. Yeah, well, you know, my friend, we got a. It's going to be interesting because I get kind of caught up. I love to follow the draft just like everybody else. We've got the draft coming up this week. But the Broncos don't have a pick till it's really almost the third round. It's the last pick in the second round. Now, I, I know they could do some trading and move up. They could try to gain some draft capital for next year, which they don't have much. But this is a year when I really don't have a feel for what's going to happen with Broncos on draft during the draft. Well, I think they're going to try and solidify the offensive line. I think they're going to target right tackle from what I've heard. They're going to try and do that. And um, that'll be a position I need for them. And definitely, I mean, me personally, they need a pass rusher or two. They definitely need that. They uh, People don't realize they are hurting defensively, and people are going to be surprised with that. Um, this defense is not what it once was. They are lacking depth in some key areas, particularly, I think, at one of the safety positions. Uh People are going to be shocked at how far Kareem Jackson will continue to have fallen off the map. Uh, Caden Stearns is expected to step up, but I don't know, man. I don't know about that. So that would be an area to look at, and they definitely need depth at corner as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree. There are a lot of positions that need, and I also think they need – they may look at a tight end and they may look at a running back where you can get running backs with some of those lower picks that can be more than serviceable, somebody to – you know, just spell the the guy who's going to be the horse. But um, I think that that's why I'm confused on this draft because I think it could it could end up being virtually almost anything, and I wouldn't be shocked. Right? Yeah, they need a lot of depth. You know, of course, that's what you know uh, George Payton likes. He likes uh, he has nine picks, and he's going to look to get a bunch of guys that can contribute. There may not have any one sexy guy that's going to. Jump off the page. I, I heard somebody say, I can't remember who it was, you know, they kind of need, for all the guys that they have, they think they have good wide receivers. They don't really have that one guy that can take the top off the defense, which is really the strong suit that Russell Wilson needs. He loves to throw the deep ball, and they don't really have that one guy that's a deep threat. And, you know, KJ Hamler's supposed to be that guy, but Terry, he's out there trying to catch the, the ball with ping pong paddles for hands. Yeah, I know. The other thing that I think they really need to upgrade their depth is because of what their special teams have played. Special teams not only come down to coaching, but good special teams players are usually reflected in your depth. They're usually guys that don't start. And that tells me there's just a terrible lack of depth throughout the entire team. That's right. It is coaching, Terry. Like, you know, I never would have become 
the great state championship bowler that I was if I didn't have great coaching all those years ago. Thank you, Coach. All right. Well, somehow you made it in spite of me. We better close down my show so you can start yours. So I'll let you go, and I'll get this thing closed down. Sounds good. All right, Dan Jacobs. Hey, thanks for listening. We're on every Saturday from 9 to 11, except next Saturday we're only on 9 to 10 because of the the draft, the Broncos draft coverage, but usually 9 to 11. If you like what you hear here, join us every Saturday. Follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We'll let the Eagles take us to Dan Jacobs and Sports on 104.3 The Fan.